Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hello, everyone. Happy May. Happy Prader Willie Awareness Month. Happy Spring. Happy Shelter in Place. No. Um, I know that most of you all are still sheltering in place. And I hope that you have been able to find a rhythm to your lives that is sustainable for this moment. That you have laughter and peace throughout your day. Two things that are perhaps harder to come by in this time. Now, as many of you know, May is PWS Awareness Month. The last few years during the month of May, I've dedicated this podcast, the podcast episodes to Prader-Willi Awareness Month, since that is Freya's diagnosis. Now, during that time, I came out every week rather than every other week, and each episode was about PWS, whether it was my own story or sharing someone else's. This May is going to be... A little different, um, not too much, but as you can imagine, like most things, plans have had to shift a bit. I had a very special live podcast planned to come out this week. I was very excited about it, and maybe you heard me talk about it on previous episodes. So that was going to start this month off with a bang. Obviously, that did not happen. Along with that, with this whole shelter-in-place thing, it is hard to find a quiet moment in my house for interviews or recording. Actually, at the moment, I am sitting in the van outside because uh, my family has taken to watching Idol on Sunday nights. Yeah, so I'm outside trying to have a little bit of quiet. Um, And then, you know, rather than spending time preparing for this month, I've kind of been trying to find my balance and get my feet firmly planted within this new and hopefully temporary normal. So I will still be dedicating this month to PWS. However, it might be just a little different. It'll be more personal, more creative. So I have been writing a lot. If you've listened to the podcast, you've probably heard me talk about how important writing is to me and how it's my therapy. And so, yeah, I set my alarm. I get up before the sun or actually as the sun is coming up now, uh, it's coming up a little earlier and um, I write and I get my my time. So you may also remember that I had a, a writing journal that just came out shortly before this uh, whole COVID-19 thing. There is joy to be found here, a writing journal for parents of children with special needs. It's for caregivers as well. It's not just for parents, Um, but it's for anybody that is on this journey and, um, you know, would like to, needs to kind of process some of these experiences and these emotions. And I have my own writing in there as well. And it's hopefully a way to 
to kind of dig through some of these, these, um, the harder aspects of this journey and to find, to find the hope and the joy and solutions and, you know, sometimes just to sit with the grief or to sit with the feelings and all that stuff. But I've talked about all that before. So I do have a box of those books waiting for those who would like to order a hard copy. I'm not making too many trips to the post office these days, but, uh, I will, I will be happy to, if people would like to get a copy. So, um, but I'm also working on putting this journal online at my website and I'm going to figure all that out in the next week or so. And that may look like a course or it may just be things you can download. I'm not really sure, but, um, I'm going to try and get that up online for people who would like it. So, so I've decided to share some of the writing and the prompts during this month. And on some weeks, uh, maybe all of them, I don't know. I will pick an aspect of PWS, one care, one characteristic, one, uh, telltale sign of the disorder. And I will share with you my own experience with it, with Freya and, I will also be resharing some of the very helpful and beautiful stories from past episodes. Anywho, these are all my ideas, and I hope that this is a worthy substitute to the past maze. I will include interviews where I can and share moments from past episodes. I said all that um, when I went off script, (laughs) as I do. And I hope that if you are someone who is not related to the world of Prada Release Syndrome, that you will still stick around and you will listen because these stories relate to all of us in so many ways. And if you, I'm shifting because I'm crouched in my van. I'm dead. I'm dedicated. People dedicated to this. (laughs) So if you are in the PWS world and would like to come on and share your story, and you aren't offended by possible background noises of arguing children or dogs barking or cats coughing up fur balls, you can listen to the most recent episode. I believe it was episode 58. You can hear a cat coughing up a hairball in the background. Um, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. So like I said, I am recording this on a Sunday and Sundays are the days that Freya gets to have honey in her oats. <laughs> and this is a special day for her. And that's what she calls it. It's my special day. And for those of you who don't know, food is one of the absolute biggest challenges with PWS. It is also the best way to manage this disorder in most situations. So there are physical issues along with behavioral problems that stem from the hyperphagia, hyperphagia. I never really know how to say that, but it is this obsession with the, with food and um, the inability to feel full. So this drives a lot of behavior and there are so many other ways that PWS can manifest or other characteristics um, that can affect behavior. But a big one is food because of that, that drive, the hyperphagia. And so not only is food one of the biggest challenges, but is, like I said, one of the ways that we really can really manage the behavior issues. One of the big things is locking the fridge, locking the food, making sure that they don't have access to food 
that helps in a variety of ways. One, they will get the food. If it's out, they will find the food and they will eat the food. And then you have a whole other slew of problems. Um, but also, you know, older kids um, and adults have been able to vocalize that when the food is locked away, they feel less anxiety. They know they can't get it. And so they, they can kind of stop thinking about it. Although I don't know that they ever actually uh, stop thinking about it completely, but it really helps to control the anxiety and uh, kind of their, their thoughts about the food. So, um, and we, and we're getting to that point. We don't have things locked away, but um, I do have to uh, put food away after we eat. Um, you know, if there's food left out on the stove or on the counter, um, I have to just get that put away. And Freya actually, for the first time the other day, asked me to put the oats away. I had forgotten to, because I make a big pot of oats and then I put it in the fridge and I use it for a couple of days, um, which grosses my husband out for some reason. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> So I had left it out. I had forgotten to put it in the fridge um, after breakfast and Freya came out to me and she said, can you, can you put the food away? Can you put the oats away? And so it was like one of these moments that was like, uh, you know, kind of heartbreaking in a way, but also a really proud moment. Like, wow, okay. That was, you know, awesome. Like she got it. She was able to advocate for herself and, and what she needed and also just how sad that it has to be a thing. So anyway, so there's that. And um, they also have a much lower metabolism. So not only do they have an obsession with food, not only do they have this inability to feel full, but they have a body that, um, and I think I understand this correctly, uh, holds on to all the fat, um, holds on to all of that stuff because it doesn't feel full because it doesn't feel satiated. And so it is maybe kind of in the starving place. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but I, I think that's how it ex I heard it explained the other day and it kind of made sense. I always knew that their metabolism was lower. I didn't totally understand why, but, um, that makes sense if they're in this place where they're constantly hungry and, and they're never feeling full, like they're in the state of starvation in a sense. And so their body is like, Oh, I'm not giving that up because I don't, I don't know when the next food's coming or I, you know, like we need all we can get because we're starving. And so it's really hard for them to, um, you know, uh, yeah. Well, so they have a lower metabolism, so it's really easy for them to gain weight. And I don't, honestly, I don't know how difficult it is I mean, I've heard so many success stories of people with Prader-Willi syndrome who are very, very overweight and they get into a right, into the right program or, you know, something like that. And then they lose the weight. Like I've, I've, I've heard of them losing a lot of weight. So, um, so it's possible that they can get down, but I, I imagine it's a little harder because then they have the hypotonia, um, the low muscle tone. So it makes you know, it makes them a little more sluggish, it makes it a little harder to move. It makes it harder to do things like push-ups and planks, which is what uh, Freya is doing this month. Dr. Miller has started a plank up and push, plank, uh, plank and push-up challenge. And so Freya is doing that. So we're really working on her core. Yeah. So <laughs> I really just wanted to talk about the, uh, 
the hyperphagia, but it just kind of goes on and on. Uh, all these characteristics are so interwoven into um, how we manage it and uh, and the reactions that we get out of Freya, which I will say, um, if you are a parent with a young child or an adult, maybe at home right now during the shelter in place, and they are having more meltdowns, bigger meltdowns, more frequent meltdowns, uh, you are not alone. I am right there with you. And sometimes I handle them gracefully. And sometimes I don't. But I'm human, as is Freya. And we are muddling our way through this. (laughs) Kind of like I'm doing with this podcast. No. Um, So the point of that was to just give you a little insight into PWS and our own little world and Sundays, Sunday mornings, honey and the oats, something that is so seemingly minor to most people. And she does get other treats like we don't withhold treats if we are all having one, but, uh, you know, we just don't have them too often. So there you go. So that's a little insight into our world. Hopefully that wasn't too muddled and confusing. And I am going to finish with um, something some of you may have heard. I put it up on Instagram. This is the opening letter in the writing journal. There is joy to be found here. And this, like I said, you can order it if you want a hard copy. You can order it from my website at com. That's A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E dot com. And you can go to the bookstore there. <clears throat> you'll see my other poetry books. You'll see my novel. And um, you'll see my daughter paints light switches. <laughs> she was doing that. So, yeah, that's how you can get the writing journal. And then I'm working to get that online. So hopefully that will happen soon. But I'm going to close with this letter. And this letter is to you all. And this is about a very defining moment in my experience as a mama to a child with special needs and reaching out to get the support that I desperately needed. Dear parent and caregiver, The day was one of those that inspire people to run to the beach with blankets and kids and frisbees, gloriously sunny and warm on the coast, a rarity even during some summer months. I packed up my two little ones, some snacks, and headed out the door. My husband was out of town and my oldest daughter at a friend's. I was not concerned about needing help because I was meeting up with two of my closest friends and their toddlers. There were four of us who found out we were pregnant around the same time. Three planned and one, mine of course, unexpected. We were all very close, old friends from college or first pregnancies. We went on weekend girl trips together and family camping adventures. Our babies were all born within five months of each other. And they were all girls. I was no stranger to the complicated emotions that came with watching their children develop and thrive while my daughter had to work incredibly hard for something as instinctual and essential as eating. Even today, that grief is still so raw, so present. And though I don't feel the pain and jealousy much at this stage in life, my heart breaks for the younger me, 
the one who sat through every joyful gathering, every group photo of moms and babies, every developmental milestone their daughters accomplished while I worried if mine was even going to survive. Yes, that grief will always cycle through me, I imagine. But on this day, I looked forward to my friends and our beach time together. I naively imagined kids playing in the sand while we sat together, talking and laughing and safely exposing the rawness of our lives to each other. What I overlooked was that their toddlers were typically developing and would act as such. I had with me a baby and a nod toddling two-year-old. We set up a blanket. I gave Freya some toys, began to nurse my baby, and settled in. It was not long before the two other girls wandered off to explore, as children do, and the moms followed, getting further and further away from the blanket. I felt stranded. The day was beautiful. The sun was out. The ocean glistened with its usual promise. Groups of students and families cluttered the beach, running, playing, and enjoying the warmth. My friends followed their girls, laughing and talking and sometimes bending their heads together, conspiratorial closeness. I watched it all from a tether. I'm not sure how long we were there. A few hours, maybe. Eventually, I decided to pack up and go home. Just my two little ones and myself. I walked into my house, sunlight streaming through the window, settled the girls, and opened a beer. I was not one to drink alone, and I knew this beer for what it was, a balm for the pain that had no company. I sat on the front porch while the girls napped or played quietly, drank my beer, and moved on to a second and let myself wallow for a moment in my grief. I was an angsty, poetry-writing teenager, so I could do brooding and sad well, for a time. But then the happier side of my nature begins to push me towards the light, towards solutions and connections. I thought then of my cousin and his family and decided to reach out. This was a time social media was a blessing. I had met my cousin's wife only once a few summers before at a family picnic. She seemed the quintessential veteran special needs mom. Calm, patient, attentive, and strong as hell. She and my cousin, who live across the country, have a daughter with a severe form of genetic autism. I only know details of the challenges from social media posts and what I had learned. I'm sorry. I only knew details of the challenges from social media posts and what I had learned from my mom and my aunt. So, with the confidence provided by alcohol and the desperation of needing to be understood, I sent her a message through Facebook. I told her about my experience at the beach and just how depressed I felt in the moment, how overwhelming and lonely this new path could be at times. Much to my benefit and gratitude, she was there. We messaged back and forth for probably an hour, sharing our stories. Her veteran status, experience, and kindness show me how to shed that pain, or at least how to sit kindly with it. I have never met her again, and they are no longer together. Still, I would someday like to let her know how much that meant to me, how crucial her openness and willingness to befriend, how it showed me a way up when I had felt so defeated. The hand she extended was a life-changer. 
My friends are supportive and loving, and I am grateful for all of them. But sometimes they just can't understand. Sometimes they just can't see the pain underneath, the fear, the questions, and the doubts. Compassion is a beautiful gift to offer someone, but true empathy to really feel the source of another person's pain is something that comes from experience. We need each other, my friends. We need to find each other in the corners at parties, in bathrooms changing diapers for children well past society's accepted age of incontinence, in yards of barbecues avoiding the array of food our children will obsess over, at home trying to calm children wrought with uncontrollable emotions, in IEPs and medical appointments when we feel outnumbered by bureaucracy and paperwork and the system's inability to see our children as individuals, standing off to the side with wheelchairs that can't make it through crowds, in hospital rooms, pre-surgery, ERs, and sitting on porches grasping for something to take away the pain. Find each other. At school, pick up in support groups, waiting rooms, playgrounds, or on the beach. Find each other and extend a hand. Or sit down and share the space. We need each other. These are hard lives to navigate at times, and we should not expect ourselves to do it alone. And if you feel like you have no one to reach out to, then you can start with me. Sincerely, Annie. So before you go, I would just like to ask you to please do me a huge favor and go on your podcast app and leave a review for the podcast and a rating. The ratings help, but the reviews also actually typing in words that somehow kind of has bigger pool and, and all of that stuff, um, the ratings and the reviews help the podcast go up in the charts. It helps get it seen by more people. So maybe there are, um, and I know there are, I know there are families out there. I know there are parents that are struggling because I get those emails, um, quite often of people who thought they were alone and found this podcast and realized that they weren't alone. So if you want to help this podcast get out to more people, help more people find it, please go and leave a review and a rating and also tell a friend, tell numerous friends and tell your family, you know, if you would like your family to understand your situation better, your, your child's diagnosis. And it's something that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, I think it's a great way you can share the podcast and uh, then you don't have to have those conversations because sometimes those conversations are difficult. And I've certainly done that. I have asked people to listen to certain episodes for specific reasons and uh, they've, because it provided information that I needed them to have, um, that I didn't, and conversations that I didn't necessarily want to have with them, I guess, or, uh, it's just easier sometimes anyway. So that's one of the things that you can do. And especially now that we're all sheltering in place, we all have more time. So, um, yeah. There you go. I would appreciate all of that stuff, the writing or the rating, the reviews. Reach out to me if you want to share your story. I would love it. Reach out to me if you just need a friend to talk to, all of that stuff. Um, I'm here for you. So um, I want to end on a quote 
And this is by a woman, I hope I get her last name right, uh, Vera Nazarian. And this is what she says. Was it you or I who stumbled first? It does not matter. The one of us who finds the strength to get up first must help the other. <laughs>